You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Na, 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 come on. On this episode of the Heat Check, I told you guys I'd not speak about the Lakers. I told you, and and then they just keep being in the news. Just keep being in the news. Lakers are making news, not just because LeBron James has stored all of his energy to win a scoring title and has decided, I don't care about winning anymore, I just care about my own personal accolades. No, sir. No, ma'am. We have a new hot-ass HBO show called Winning Time, and it's got folks and their panties all up in a bunch. It's tremendous. We break down some thoughts and some of the insights that I got on this very fictional, artistic license type of show, but some of the lessons that I learned that we can be applying to today's Lakers. We also get into how Pop is now the winningest coach in the NBA, and maybe he won't be retiring anytime soon. We also break down what was a surreal scene at Barclays Center, which was Kyrie Irving in the building, sitting there courtside, not with his team, but in his own seats. Go ahead, Brock. Drop that beat. So I'm sitting there last night, around 10-something at night, after actually watching the Lakers get an absolute beatdown. Uh, from the Suns by like a million. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, speaking of the Lakers, they're a little HBO series. Let me go check that out. So I checked out the first two episodes centered around the Showtime Lakers of the 1980s. The show chronicles Dr. Jerry Buss. What a phenomenal human being. Like, I really wish I could have met him. He seems like a party and a half. Uh, like, actually a party. It talks about how he got to buy the Lakers from a guy who was just generally trash uh, and also simultaneously negotiated a deal with Magic to draft Magic. Magic basically held him up, said, well, I can go back to school if you don't pay me this amount of money uh, to draft me. So it's got something for everyone. The cinematography's great, the music's great, the acting's amazing, some heavy hitters. I believe Adrian Brody will be playing Pat Riley, which is sick. You've got uh, this guy who plays uh, Kareem who's really interesting. The guy playing Magic's good. But let me be real. Like, this is not a show, if you're looking for accuracy in the details of history, it's not exactly for you. Like, it's it's more along the lines of, like, Dan Brown <laughs> and, like, and, like, the Da Vinci Code. It's closer to that than a documentary. Let's just say that. So people are big mad about how certain people that are real life and instill in the NBA universe right this second, how they are depicted. So I get all that, right? But first and foremost, it details something that was true, which was in that time, in that time period, the league was in dire straits. Nobody gave a shit. Uh, you had the Lakers were worth a paltry $68 million. Nobody was interested in buying the team other than Dr. Jerry Buss. Uh, financially, like I said, thin ice. 
It was Magic, it was Bird, it was Red Auerbach, the president GM of the Celtics, and Dr. Jerry Buss that you can tell based on their vision, based on their star power, and how they saw players, how they began to highlight players as stars. Saved the sport, basically turned it into what it is today. Pioneers that helped take it to where it is now. You hear in the second episode, Dr. Jerry Buss tells his staff, like, this is show business. This isn't basketball. This is show business. Let's sell out the forum. Why can't we sell why can't we sell this thing out 365 days a year? And they're like, uh, not even the Madison Square, not even Madison Square Garden sells out 365 days a year. And uh, Dr. Jerry Buss looks at uh, his assistant who says, Everybody, you know, has a dark period uh, during their schedule. And he goes, Those people aren't living in the land of the sun. Those people aren't living in the land of the sun. It's always sunny here. No dark times at the forum. Yeah. I mean, and now you've got a situation where the NBA is more popular than hoops. League was suffering because they would not embrace human element of the sport. They were not drafting guys because they were too black. Like they were, I mean, you hear it in the episode. You hear it in the, in the show. They're like, this guy is too pro-movement. And it's like, you're not talking about, like, motion offense. We're talking about the movement, right? Like, this guy's too pro the movement. And then Jerry Buss comes in. And he's like, these guys aren't just athletes. I want magic, not because he's a good player, but because he is a star. Look at that big old smile he's got. We can put that on a billboard. We can sell some shit. So that was remarkable. And what Buss rarely gets credit for is how he leaned into the very thing that others were saying was going to doom the NBA. It's very blackness. He was very happy to allow Magic to unapologetically be himself because he knew being the superstar that he was, that could make cash hand over fist. And that allowed others to embrace and draft black superstars as well. He sort of shaped Red Auerbach's lens and viewpoint on the world where he was going to draft Len Bias. And now, you, very, not very long after, you get Michael Jordan. Show's a blast. Beautifully shot, beautifully helmed by Adam McKay. Dope-ass soundtrack. And where else are you going to seamlessly segue from Fred Astaire to Grandmaster Flash? Where? The grittiness of the cinematography is so cool, too. Although, I guess some viewers might get put off by how often actors break the fourth wall. They literally talk to the camera all the time, which I think is kind of like a comedic thing of it. It goes between comedy and darkness pretty quick. But it's a reminder, big reminder, of how important Dr. Jerry Buss is to or was to the history of the NBA. And there are things that will make people upset if they're a fan of Jerry West, who they make seem like an alcoholic and a rage monster. Apparently he like never actually threw his MVP trophy through a window in his office because that window didn't even exist. There was no window there. Uh, I think Jerry West doesn't really drink. So that was an interesting little turn. Uh, basically show Jerry West abusing point guard Norm Nixon to the point where Norm didn't want him to have control of the team. If you're a Norm Nixon fan, it basically shows him bullying Magic into wanting to go back to school to the point where he wasn't even going to allow Jerry Buss to draft him. He was so shriveled into his confidence that he was going, ah, maybe I'll go back to East Lansing. Shit! So if you know these people... You're like, no, I fucking hate this. And I even asked some people. I texted people who have covered the sport during that time period. Hey, have you seen this new Lakers show yet? 
And one person was like, nope, never will. These people aren't fiction to me. This is not like a game. And I'm like, oh, everything that's historically fiction is not really fiction, is it? So that's super interesting. But the one thing that you could say for sure, for sure, that stuck into my mind and was like applicable to today, and it got me thinking about the Lakers to the point where I decided to write something about it, was that Dr. Jerry Buss came into a fledgling franchise with barely any money right when he got there and his aspiration and his viewpoint as an owner. And he says it to Jerry West, he goes, isn't winning the whole point of this whole thing? Isn't winning the point of basketball, professional basketball, isn't winning every single game kind of our intention? And Jerry West says to him, all the other owners don't think so. Every other owner thinks we can't have this guy because the ratings will drop because he's too black or this doesn't sell popcorn or this, this, this. Or we can't pay this guy because it costs too much and our salary cap. And he's like, no, I don't care what it is. Tell me what you need to win it all and we'll do it. Tell me what you need to sell out the forum, how much it costs, and we'll do it. And then I thought, man, I watched Alex Caruso come back for the Chicago Bulls, holding to their opponent to under 100 for the first time since he played last. And I was like, Dr. Jerry Buss would be rolling in his fucking grave right now. That Jeannie, his daughter, wouldn't fucking pay Alex Caruso. A stud? A role player who is probably one of the better defenders in the league. A culture guy, guy who helped you get big minutes and to win a title, who wanted to stay. Homegrown talent. And you just wouldn't pay him because you didn't want to go into luxury tax. Like, he would be absolutely irate at this roster. There's just no chance this roster ever exists if he's alive. Like, none of it. Probably A.D., Definitely Braun, definitely not Russ. Definitely would have paid Alex Crusoe. You would have figured things out with Kuz. You probably would have never. You probably would have never traded Lonzo Ball. Probably would have never traded Julius Randle. Probably would have never traded Josh Hart. Probably would have never traded D'Angelo Russell. All those guys, Jerry would have been all about stars. Brandon Ingram probably would have traded him. He traded cold-hearted. Traded Vladi Divac for the rights to Kobe Bryant. Cleared cap space. Boom, 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 boom. Had $118 million cleared out for Shaq, who never even told him whether he was going to go there yet. Cleared that out with the hope that maybe we could pay him, and they got him. These Lakers today, they simply just don't have the balls to make these moves. So that brings me to the state of these Lakers. Some wild comments that Anthony Davis made. His delusions, their delusions. I mean, the whole thing is just delusional. But before the Suns destroyed them by a million, A.D. was asked by the media whether the groin injury he suffered in the playoffs was the difference that they lost. And he says, it was. We know that. The Suns know that. The Suns got away with one. What an inflammatory comment that is. They were up 2-1, but not, let's not act like Chris Paul couldn't, he could lift his arm. He got injured in game one as well. Like, let's not act like, oh, your injury just supersedes Chris Paul's injury, which happened before your little injury. Just stop that. And let's not act like the fact that if you could have beaten the Suns other than your groin injury, then why did you blow up that roster? 
if you were so good that your injury was the only reason that you couldn't go to the finals like they did, then why did they get rid of Alex Crusoe? Why did they get rid of KCP? Why did they get rid of Kuzma? Why did they get rid of Montrezl Harrell? Why? Why did they decide to get a bunch of guys on veteran minimum contracts instead of rolling that same roster out again? Because you know that's a lie. That is a lie. Everybody knows that's a lie. You know who knows that's a lie? Devin Booker knows that's a lie as well. They asked Devin Booker, what do you think about what AD said? Of course, they tried to bait him into answering, and he ended up taking the bait. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's just going to happen anyways. I just think it's funny. It just is. I know what you're trying to do to win, but yeah. No, nah, it's just all the ifs. And, you know, if, if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. If my auntie had some maternal legs, she'd be my uncle. Wait, pause. If my auntie had something between her legs, she would be my uncle. What a tremendous under-the-radar comment. You know, it's, it's a lot of ifs in this game. And, you know, you look at history along the lines, like there's some something that comes up for every team during every season. So, you know, instead of just taking the high route and going, you have to make a comment like that. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> And then he makes sure to let him know Chris Paul was also hurt. So I guess you move forward and you say, okay, well, we know Anthony Davis is not telling the truth, and he knows that. The franchise blew it up, got a bunch of guys that don't make no damn sense. So what do you do now? We know this. We've been talking about this. I've just come to the conclusion that the only move that you have, you have three moves. You've got the draft, and they have no picks. You've got free agency. You've got no cap space. The only option that you have left is what? Trades. What are the assets left on the books? Tell me, what assets are left on the books? You've got LeBron James. You're not trading LeBron James. We know that. You've got Russell Westbrook. Going to be difficult to trade Russell Westbrook for anything of significant value. I'm sure you'll get something. I'm sure a deal will get made. But does that take you to being a true contender, which is what LeBron James says he wants. I want to win more rings. I don't want to just win scoring titles. I want more rings. Who's left? You got a bunch of guys on minimum contracts. You got Malik Monk. He's going to be a free agent. Maybe you do a sign and trade, get somebody for him. Maybe you re-sign him. Maybe you don't. Carmelo Anthony, he's old. He's not worth anything in the trade market. Got Kendrick Nunn. We've been waiting for his arrival all fucking season. The only person left is Anthony Davis. Only person that's left. That's it. I know that sounds crazy, and I know that the Lakers want to build around him for the future, and I know that he's 28, but he's 28, and his nickname is Street Clothes. His nickname is Street Clothes. He's only making $30 million a year. He makes $18 million less than Russell Westbrook. These are issues. He has stuff going on, and there are teams that are not wise yet. To what's going on with Anthony Davis because they're paying attention to their own shit. Anthony Davis has a degenerative issue in his Achilles. We've talked about this time and time again. There are teams that would take a flyer on this guy. You have to tell Braun, listen, either you've gonna, you're going to roll out with your guy and you're going to continue to lose because Anthony Davis is not in a situation where he's healthy 
You look at Anthony Davis, even when he's quote-unquote healthy, he comes down, he lands on the ankle, and it moves. He's not doing the things that are required of him to get his body ironclad, solid, so that he doesn't have those same issues time and time again. He's not. I've talked to people. That's the case. He's not doing the rehab and the prehab to get his ligaments and the soft tissue around those areas that he's had injuries on significantly stronger and more able to withstand an 82-game season. So we know 82-game seasons are off the table. So you say to Braun, your guy's not playing an 82 season. He's just not. He's just, it's just never going to happen. For the rest of now until the end of time, Anthony Davis, I would probably stake almost everything I own. He's never going to play a full season. He's never played a full season in his entire career, ever. Not an 82-game season, ever. Okay, and he's only getting worse. Braun, it's either... You go with your guy from Clutch Sports that is your best friend's client, and you say, okay, this is just a marketing thing. This is us playing, and we're going to be in the 10th seed every year, somewhere around there. Or we got to trade him. We got to trade him somewhere for some pieces and some picks, and we got to do the Vladi Divac thing, and we got to get somebody else. We got to get somebody young and somebody who can contribute and probably a bunch of somebodies that can contribute. And then we've got to build as well for the future. This is a, we can go one or two ways. This is what we're going to do. Either you commit to staying here long term, losing with your friend, or you commit to winning and we got to make some hard decisions. And if they don't trade AD, we know next year is going to be the same thing. There's nothing else you can do. There's only a few different choices. There's not going to be some magical choice that comes up that helps you win. Russ is not getting back value. The other guys, like I said, are old and on minimum deals. So, Jeannie... Jeannie, do it. Do what your father would do. Lottie Divock style and move your center. It's fucking trade. I might have been probably a little harsh on Greg Popovich last year when I said he should probably retire and hang it up. I was probably mean when he was focused on the Olympics and not on NBA basketball, and he was telling the world, listen, I'm, uh, I'm planning for Estonia right now. Like, I'm looking at Estonia tape right now. I'm not worried about this 30-win bullshit team that I've got to deal with. I got DeMar DeRozan, we still got 30 games underneath our belt that we've won all season. I said, it's time to hang it up. Time to hang it up. But I actually think he might coach another five to ten years. I'm pretty sure Pop's not going anywhere anytime soon. Greg is now the winningest head coach in NBA history with his 1,336th victory passing Don Nelson with a 104-102 to win over the Jazz, which is an impressive win. You don't often hear someone whose record just got beaten by, by saying things like Don Nelson did. He said, Greg is the greatest coach to ever lace them up. When I hired him as an assistant coach, I figured that he could learn something from me, but I ended up learning more from him than he ever learned from me. That is for sure. Come on now. Don Nelson giving Greg Popovich props here. The greatest compliment maybe in history of all compliments is like, listen, I hired this little punk-ass kid thinking, ah, he could be my little mentee. And then he turned in to being, you ended up being his Padawan. And in the wake of that milestone, there are stories aplenty going around about Pop. People are trying their very best to get information on Pop without actually having to talk to Pop because he never wants to speak about himself. And the best by far comes from DeMar DeRozan. 
who spent three years in San Antonio. This is what he said. He related this story could be maybe the greatest retelling of a film session of all time. He says this. I remember one film session where Pop made us watch a Penguin National Geographic movie. It was interesting. It was basically learning about teamwork, how to come together as one and go after a common goal, whatever that goal was. I thought it was going to be a day where we watched film, but we ended up watching a full Penguin movie, and it was the most interesting shit ever, how they migrate, how the males watch the eggs while the female goes out for X amount of months to go collect food, how they walk 60 miles to the water, 60 miles back while the, while the males watch. It was the most craziest shit, but everybody basically all plays their role. But to look at it from the perspective of penguins, that's some pop shit right there. Pop, like, there is a Greg Popovich out there that runs those penguins, and that's how he does his job, too. Only Greg Popovich would see penguins and be like, yeah, that's how I run my team. Let me show them how it goes. Let me show these guys what a team looks like. Penguins. That'll get through. That'll get through these little 30-win team that we got. Little Waddle. Waddle, Damar. Walk 60 miles for that water, Damar. Who would have ever thought March, March of the Penguins shit would be a motivational tool for multi-millionaire athletes and it would actually get through and have it work? I mean, come on now. Greg Popovich is on another stratosphere thinking about, like, I don't even know how you think of that. I'm gonna just, we're just going to take the time off. He watches, a, probably at his hotel, watches a Penguin movie, and he's like, yeah, this is, this is it right now. There's no need to uh, critique the issues in the dribble handoff. Let's show him some ice some penguins and you know i've been kind of hinting it's probably time for pop to hang up his hat the last 18 months but this year i think he's more engaged he loved Dejounte murray nobody was happier for pop when he won the record than than murray but now mark stein is reporting that greg popovich will coach at least one more year i mean why not the Spurs is young. They're talented. He's never had to rebuild in his life, so this is like a new challenge for him. It didn't seem like man- management wanted to hire Becky Hammond as a head coach, and they're probably more interested in somebody like Quinn Snyder, who in another year was probably going to be begging to get out of Utah because the the new rumors, as an aside, little new rumor mill popping is that the Knicks are pursuing Donovan Mitchell low-key, high-key, though, like actually high-key. And the Spurs management has proven that they, they will stick with in lean times, so it's a desirable destination for someone like Snyder because if he fucks up, he's not going to get fired. Like, it's a long-tenured position, especially if Pop tabs you. So, congratulations to Pop. Congratulations on breaking the record. And I will say I will not hate you if you decide to stick around for a couple of years. Just stop focusing on the Olympics. Like, just keep focused on the NBA. Until at least those young guns end up winning you 50, 60 games like you used to have. Because it's, it's disgusting to watch a Greg Popovich-led team be a 9 seed or a 10 seed. But it's just not part of your culture, your DNA. 35, day, 35 games a year, that's not Penguin shit. I tell you what, that is, I don't know what that is. It's probably some Lakers shit. But a rebuild, interesting, interesting stuff, especially for someone who's never done it. Roll inside the bins. I fucked up once and I got you bent. It's hard to admit that I'm in my bed. But you know I'm always with you the best. Can't be saying for your feelings. And you know the feeling. This is what your dog was healing. But it makes you feel it. Trying things your dog would The NBA is fucked up right now. League rules. 
rules, the state rules, this COVID stuff. I just don't. It's so complicated. And the most complicated thing is everything going on with Kyrie. And it's now gotten to a point where Kyrie Irving is sitting courtside to watch his team play against the Knicks at Barclay Center yesterday. Literally yesterday, it gets to a boiling point. We get to see Kyrie Irving in his home floor, sitting on the floor, not with his team on the bench, but in seats that he bought when he became a net on the floor. As a quick aside, he didn't get there until 3.32 left in the second quarter, so he was fashionably late to watch his own team play. But he was not allowed to play basketball there because in New York City, you can be a fan and be unvaccinated anywhere in New York City. You can be in places unvaccinated. But there's a secondary law that precludes private sector employees from going to work unvaccinated. So the hypocrisy of the situation, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that opposing players are able to come in in Barclays and play. He can sit inside. Yes, they can. He can sit inside the arena maskless, hang out, breathing around everybody. Doesn't matter. But he cannot play at Barclays. Kevin Durant was asked about it after the game. He said this. I don't get it. It feels like at this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement or a point or to flex their authority, but everybody's looking for attention. And that's what I feel that the mayor wants right now is attention. I'm not sure that's what Eric Adams wants is that kind of attention. So they asked Mayor Adams about it at some random event that he was at. Hey, do you see this? What's up with Kyrie? And he goes, listen, you're right. It is ridiculous. Kyrie can play tomorrow. All he has to do, get vaccinated. Take the shot. Pretty hard to argue with that. Once again, COVID and the rules surrounding it has people pissed. Mike Wilbon is also pissed. Not sure if you heard what he had to say about Kevin Durant, but he got pretty fired up uh, when they asked him about it on Inside the NBA. Kevin Durant is too aware and too plugged in to say something that impertinent what's the point of that want some attention you want to call out somebody call out your teammate tell him to get a shot because he's got plenty of them because he could have gone to grade school in metropolitan new york without vaccines i mean all these guys want to be so irresponsible and not accountable enough to look at this dude and tell him you want to play with us get a sh- put a shot in your arm the vaccine is not about attention People died, hundreds of thousands of them, from this virus. And you you think the mayor of New York needs to attend to a basketball team's needs, your needs, before he needs to attend to the needs of a metropolitan area, the biggest in America? Are you kidding me? I mean, Kevin, and again, Kevin Durant, there's some knuckleheads who would say stuff like this. I'd probably let it go. Kevin Durant is too smart and too plugged in Everybody wants to tell you how woke they are, and then I gotta hear something like that? That's offensive. Stop. Ooh, sheesh. Goodness gracious. He got fired up. I did not expect that. Mike Wilbon is on one right now. And Ramona Shelburne, I think, made some points that, because I think this is pretty ridiculous, too. I think it's stupid, for sure, that Kyrie can be in the building and opposing players can come in and play in that building. 
why can't Kyrie play in Barclays? Well, she made some points that helped me to reconsider maybe my opinion. Barclays is only one piece of a grand law inside of New York City, very difficult to change. Employees in the private sector in New York City have to be vaccinated. Many, many people have lost their jobs over refusing to get vaccinated. So if you change the law now because of Kyrie Irving, what message does that send? What message does that send to the largest city in America, one of the most dense cities in America, about where we stand on vaccines? Yes, it is an unfortunate little, we'll call it, hiccup in the system that an entertainer can sit there in the arena and that other entertainers can come in to that said arena and perform, but Kyrie Irving cannot. It's a law, a law that is very difficult to change. And Eric Adams, I am assuming, thought with lifting that mandate would change everything for Kyrie, but it has changed absolutely nothing for Kyrie. So my optimism around the Nets about that Kyrie will play soon has taken a turn has taken I don't know when he will play I'm not sure if he'll get to play during the playoffs but you have to change an entire law and it's a new mayor dealing with other issues in the city of New York that's not the number one list on his agenda is to fix Kyrie Irving's problems it's gonna be tricky also quick aside another little piece of news that was embedded was folded into that news is that apparently Ben Simmons isn't running right now yeah just let that soak in Ben Simmons isn't running right now Malika Andrews reported that Ben Simmons who has been out with back issues since his arrival to the Nets suffered a setback and at this point is not able to run holy shit how did that just come out of nowhere? And then all of a sudden, we're missing out on this. That's not good. That is what we call a gigantic hiccup. <laughs> Two hiccups. Kyrie's probably not playing home games, and your guy that you traded for, Ben Simmons, isn't even running. Going to need more of those Kevin Durant 50 nuggets <laughs> in order for the Nets to be in the mix. Especially got 13, 15 games left. It's becoming obvious. A stacked roster is not happening anytime soon, consistently on a night-to-night basis for the Nets. Maybe Ben Simmons comes back for the playoffs. Maybe you get Kyrie Irving full-time for the playoffs. But maybe you don't. One of the greatest what-ifs could be what this season could have been for the Nets if Kyrie Irving would have just stayed vaccinated, gotten vaccinated. Would Harden still be there? Where would Ben be? What would happen with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond? All of these things, all of these, we'll call it butterfly effects, all based on the fact that one man didn't want to put an injection into his shoulder. Crazy shit. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please do not forget to tell your friends. And follow us on social at, at This Heat Check on TikTok and Trista Crick on TikTok. See you Wednesday.
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.